<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California Lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And reading. And I'm Maria Bob. I'm reading. Um, this week we're chatting about Cubs in training. I, you know what, I, I don't, that could mean a lot of things with us and I don't quite know what it is, so I'm excited to find out what kind of cub. Um, a heartbreaking piece of historical fiction, an 80s queer restoration, Demon anime, a very twisty thriller, and the actual Final Destination, for now. For now. All right, Cubs in Training. Who, who, right. who, what? All right, so because I'm a masochist, I guess, I signed up for not one, but two festivals in June. So I'll be covering Tribeca, um, which starts in a couple weeks. And then I'm also covering Frameline 47, which is a queer a film festival out of San Francisco, I believe is where it's at. And they have like a bajillion movies that are, that are coming out on it. And there's, there's a few that I, I'd signed up for because there's a few that I really wanted to see. And um, I was looking through like the list and I was like, Ooh, there's some really good stuff on here. So the first one that I'm going to be talking about most of these throughout June, because I swear there's like 60 on this list. It feels like Fantasia, like Fantasia. Good Lord. Of, of movies. But the first one I want to talk about is a a movie called Big Boys. It is about uh, a 14-year-old chubby boy who um, is struggling with his sexuality and has sort of like a wake-up moment when he goes on 
a, uh, a camping trip with his family. And it's he goes with his brother who's older than him, thinner than him, um, cooler than him. And he goes with his uh, cousin, who is played by Dora Madison of Bliss. She's in this. Oh. And she plays his like uh, adult cousin who there three of them are going to go on a camping trip. But then um, Dora Madison's Allie, her, that's the character's name, is bringing her boyfriend, Dan, new boyfriend. And he is a tall, thick man. He is a tall drink of water. And as they are on this camping trip, we have Jamie, who is the chubby um, 14-year-old who is socially awkward. He is a nerd. He will, he rats off like the most useless facts about everything. He is obsessed with cooking. He is the exact opposite of his brother. I saw a lot of myself in that character as sort of this like socially awkward guy that, you know, doesn't want to be seen but then also wants to be seen at the same time and so he and his brother will are both kind of fighting for dan the new boyfriend ali's boyfriend's his attention in different ways will because of like that kind of macho he's like an older guy and he wants to you know feel like he's an, an adult and jamie because he starts to see um an attraction there that he is like ooh, i like this guy and so it is about this this weekend trip where he basically is um, grappling with feelings of being queer and feelings of being interested in bigger guys. And it's something that we don't see a whole lot on. I mean, he is a it's a chubby kid. This guy, this older guy, he's not fat, but he's like he's thick. He is thick. And he just is. It's just it's so it was so refreshing watching this. And it, it brought me back to like being um my own little chubby 14 year old self that was sort of awkward around other guys and wanted, wanted everything to be just like the kind of self-contained. Cause he's very angry at first that, that his cousin is bringing a boyfriend on it. Cause he's like, this was uh-huh. the three of us. And you could tell that he doesn't feel comfortable around other people. And then once he finds out that Dan is this hunk of dude, it becomes like this, this weird internal struggle for him. And it's just a, it's a very awkward there's a little bit of cringe comedy in it, but it's, it, it feels very authentic to um, the experience of being a fat queer kid that doesn't get a lot of representation in movies or in anything. So I think this was a really fun movie. Um, it's a little little slow in, spar- in, in spots, but um, it's, it's really good and it's really cool to see this kind of representation on screen. So that's the first okay, one. What's it, called? what's it called Big again? Boys. Big Boys. Not to be confused with Big Boys, the television show, which is apparently a TV show out of the UK um, that is also a queer <laughs> story. But yeah, good movie. Cool. Really enjoyed it. That sounds it. awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah, and I, I, think it's, I think I started off the, fe- the fest on like a high note with that one and another one I'm going to talk about probably next week. Um, but yeah, it's good so far. I'm really excited to be covering something that's not horror for once. Hell yeah. Weird feeling. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. I think going in a completely different direction, but let's talk about the heartbreaking piece of historical oh, yeah. horror fiction. Yeah, that's very much the opposite direction. Um, so I have been reading again. I have been like actually devouring books recently, which is nice. Um, haven't done that in a bit. So I, I, this is the story behind this is very funny. So the book I the book I read it's a novella. It's actually a novella. It's only ninety four pages, but it's called Help Meet by Nabin Ruthram. 
Um, and it is the 94 pages. Um, it is, it's from last year. And it is the story of a woman named Louise who is taking care of her dying husband. And she moves him from their apartment in Manhattan to um, their orchard upstate for him to kind of die. And it is about what happened to him and also like the dynamics of their relationship and like the love they have this like really interesting love they have for each other while his body is also falling apart and like why that happened and it's this like beautifully written novella that I had heard of it I heard of it actually on TikTok and I was really interested in it and I got it on my Kindle or and I was reading it on my phone going to a concert on on Friday and I went to the concert by myself and I ended up fucking reading that novella, like waiting for the con. I, I was reading a goddamn book, like waiting for this concert to start. So it's by <laughs> myself. Like, I didn't have anyone to talk to. So I was just reading this fucking book and I couldn't stop fucking reading it. It's so good. It is this, it's be- the, the prose is gorgeous. It's like very much like kind of st- a little stilted, um, a little bit emotionless, but not really. It's just like very structured and, the descriptions of these like horrors happening to this guy's body are written so clinically. So they're not as, it's not as sensational, but it's just like very clinical and detached, but also like these, these warmth, these kind of emotional warm spots come through and it just is really quite beautiful and really quite sad and what it is and how it ends. And it's just really fucking fascinating and really awesome. And it's, a, I mean, Rothnam accomplishes quite a lot in 94 pages and mm. I could have read so much more but I think it makes sense that it's shorter it's just it's beautiful so if you're looking for something short and quick to read I would really recommend this novella it's incredible yeah I saw you tweet about it and I added it to my list immediately so I'm I'm really excited it was good it's like it's got it's cosmic body horror and it's done in a really really cool way and I love it so I, and I've discovered that I really like novellas because they're just long enough that like you get really invested, but they're not like a long investment either. So I've been reading some more horror novellas and I think that's been really nice getting me like easing me back into reading. Oh yeah. Gorgeous writing. Yeah. Unconventional love story, I'll say. You know, I feel like a lot of times um, writing is, is good. But like there are times where I just I want to get lost in in someone's prose. And from what you're saying, it seems like this is one of those books that like the prose is just on point. Because I think there's an art to writing that, yes, there are people that can just write um, a story and we can get, you know, all the good plot points and it's exciting to, to read or whatever. But there are times where there are books that the writer has like this prose and it just immediately draws you in. I, yeah, I that's that. exactly what this is. Like, I as soon as I started reading it, I was like, I'm hooked. Like, yeah. I'm in. I'm I'm obsessed with this. Like the way that he casually describes, like a guy scraping off his nose. Like it's Oof. incredible how he describes it. It's just yeah, it's it's something special. So I highly recommend. It's a very short investment of your time too. So it's not. But yeah, it it's weird. It's good. And I, cool. I want more historical fiction, horror fiction, I think. So if anyone has any recommendations of historical horror fiction to read, 
let me know. I'm on the lookout. I think we're going to also swing in the opposite direction again to an 80s queer restoration. Yeah. So I got the opportunity to check out um, The Wounded Man, which is a French film uh, that was filmed in 1982, released in 1983. So on the cusp of like when AIDS was becoming um, a big thing. And it is it's a French film about this young man named um, Henry, Henri, I think his his parents and him are going to a a train station to see off his sister who's going to frankfurt to study for for some time and they arrive really early the train is delayed so they're just sitting there and he kind of makes eye contact with this much older man who's very portly and is like just leeringly eyeing at him and then he takes off and just walks through the station and it's like this almost like cat and mouse game where the cat and the mouse changes between him and this this older guy as they're like following each other. And you don't quite know what's what's going on. Is there like, is it flirtation? Is it something more sinister? What is really happening here? And while this is all happening, he runs into a hustler, um, a pimp named Jean, who is he has a crooked smile and has like intense eyes and he just exudes sexuality. And Henri finds himself like attracted to this, this man. And we, the rest of the movie is sort of him exploring this underworld of, of this train station where Henri and his, his um, other hustlers sort of work and him kind of exploring the edge of, does he want to, fuck this guy or does he want to fight him like there's there's that kind of internal this internal thing and it's about like ideas of masculinity as well as um this obsessive desire that everyone in this movie seems to have that is unfulfilled and where that can kind of take you and it's um it's not a it's not a I, I was thinking about this because, and I, I have a review out there if you want to read more about it. It's probably a lot better to be talking about it because there's just so much going on with it. But there's, I, I, I wrote a review about it. And what I think is interesting is that a lot of the talks that we've had, we even had this discussion both with Eric um, LaRocca and also Sophia Ajram about kind of messy queers and not being necessarily focused on positive like representation because the, the the queerness in this is is dirty it's grotty it's a little unrefined it's it's kind of a mix of sex and violence and so it's not exactly like a happy portrayal but it's an interesting one and it's it's written and directed by gay men two gay men okay. wrote it gay director and it's interesting to see this sort of like this film that was from 1983 kind of grappling with homosexual desire in such an interesting way so that that is out um from vinegar syndrome it got released this week it's um under the altered innocence label that they published um knife and heart they publish a lot of coming of age a lot of queer stuff and it's a really good restoration and it's a really interesting look at it at a time in in queer history so i really recommend it hell yeah okay altered innocence rules they put out some really awesome queer stuff they sure do. I, I, I think I saw I saw you talking about this and I saw people talking about it when it came out or like when Vinegar Syndrome was releasing it initially. Yeah, because I think it played in movie theaters, too. Um, I think they took it to theaters. Yeah. Before it OK. It's coming out. But um, cool. yeah, it's it's really good. I really recommend it. 
Uh, I know Vinegar Syndrome site is down as of while we're recording this because they're doing their yeah their halfway to um, Black Friday sale. But um, yeah. if, when it comes back up, I really recommend if you are interested in the history of queer cinema, uh, this is one I definitely think you should add to your list. And it's beautiful. Hell it's really yeah. nicely restored. Demon anime. I think I might have talked about this before on the podcast. Demon Slayer. Have I ever talked about Demon Slayer? I think so. Yeah, because there was the movie Mugen Train, but it's the new season. Um, I haven't been. I haven't watched a lot of stuff I can talk about yet. Again, which is annoying, and so I'm like pulling from the stuff that I am watching and have been enjoying. But the new season, we are like, I think it's like halfway through the first the new season of Demon Slayer, and like just when I think the show can't get any more dark and like bloody, it just continues to get bloody. So. Just like TLDR about what the show is, if people can't remember or you're a new listener, um, Demon Slayer follows this kid, Tanjiro, who is a terrible tragedy befalls his family. Um, They're all killed except for his sister, who was transformed into a demon. And he then, through a series of events, trains to become a demon slayer. And he is basically fighting scary ass demons who want to cause nothing but pain and harm to people. As you do. And his goal... His goal is to fight, like, the upper rank demons. They're the really powerful ones that are, like, really hard to beat, and humans usually cannot defeat them. And this arc is called the Swordsmith Village arc, and it, like, sometimes, like, the show will kind of ease you into everything, but this, what like, this season was just, like, off to the races. Like, immediately, like, things start happening, bad shit starts happening to people, and it's because there's just like a lot of bad shit happening and everyone is just getting their ass completely beat to shreds and i just love the show is so beautiful like it's so beautifully animated because it takes place in 1900 japan so it's like historical but it's not like super far in the past um like hell's paradise the other one i've talked about recently so it's at this like really interesting period in japan where there are there's like you know like modernization of japan and there's just like it's really interesting and beautiful to watch. The animation is beautiful, and I just and this I like this arc because the characters that annoy me are not in this arc. So it's just my favorite characters mm. kicking ass, and it's really cool because they're not the annoying kind of like anime tropey characters like for comedic relief. We don't really have that in this arc, and I like that because sometimes the comedic relief characters are really fucking annoying to me when I watch anime. So it's been nice to get like. A lot less of that like <laughs> yeah yeah so i just am very much enjoying that show and so if, if it's that's another horror anime that is a little bit more like i feel like hell's paradise is a little bit scarier i guess but they're both they're both horror they're both gross but like um demon slayer has like a much bigger fan base it's a little bit more like i'm proud i will fight for my friends type of anime rather than like a fuck everyone i'm fighting for myself type anime um so it's a little it's like wholesome isn't quite the word but like i guess that might be the right word for it just because tanjiro is a very sweet wholesome boy who i would like to protect from all danger but instead he keeps getting his ass kicked by giant (laughs) demons that's demon slayer swordsmith village arc if any of you like Demon Slayer, let me know. Is it on it. Crunchyroll or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's on, yeah, I think it's on, only on Crunchyroll. I can't remember. I only watch it on Crunchyroll. Like, I watch the new episodes as they come onto Crunchyroll. That's usually where they all, like, simulcast with Japan. So that's where I watch it. I don't think we pay for it. We just, like, have the free version. Steve has control of that one. I just, like, watch and 
the pictures move. <laughs> Watch the pictures move. But like Demon Slayer is another one of those anime that is like it's really good. It's a good starter anime because it's like especially if you like horror because it's like it doesn't hold back, but it's also like it's not like super like it's it's got the glimmers of like a shonen kind of like Dragon Ball Z like I'm the best fighter but less of that and a little bit more grounded but there's also horror elements to it so okay if you're looking for an another starter anime um that's a good one and it's like so fucking popular the fucking movie Mugen Train made like billions of dollars in Japan like this fucking series is so popular so but yeah this arc is very good hell yeah anime all right a very twisty thriller yes what is it that's a good question what is it <laughs> that's the twisty thriller is to carry not remembering what he brought <laughs> so i believe it is out as of the drop of this episode it's um influencer and it is a movie that is directed by curtis david harder who also directed the queer thriller from uh, that's also on Shutter called Spiral, not the not the Saw movie, but Spiral from uh like where the characters are in like the nineteen nineteen nineties. Um, so he directed yeah. that. He also is like there's like this this group of Canadian filmmakers that are all like produce and direct things. Like it includes like What Keeps You Alive. He's a producer on. He's a producer on Harpoon, on Z on Superhost, on VHS ninety four. So he's a producer and he also directs. Um, When you pick up some scratches, cause you want a fun break. The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make. You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that. You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap. You could build yourself a homemade scratching machine. Or use a piece from your chest set. Go ahead, grab the queen. Scratch like a DJ with your record player. But cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer. Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways. Thanks to scratchers from the California lottery, a little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today. Movies and influencer is... And I don't use this word lightly. It is truly a Hitchcockian thriller. And yeah. if I were to tell you <laughs> the the Hitchcockian thriller that this one is very reminiscent of in terms of plot structure, not necessarily the characters, but all, but just the way it, the plot unfolds, it would spoil the yeah. movie. And it's one of those movies that you don't want to know much going in. So I'd recommend not looking at any reviews, not um, watching any trailers. This is I, I'll, we're gonna just gonna give you the basic the basic plot synopsis, which is about this um, American influencer who uh, has gone to Thailand um, on her kind of boyfriend slash maybe manager's dime. And she's, it opens up with her like on the beach filming herself like, Oh, it's so nice around here. And you, what's interesting is that the camera's pulled back and you see that she's all alone and you see sort of like the lonely, like life that she's leading at, the, at this place because she was supposed to go with her boyfriend her boyfriend didn't go at the last minute she's kind of thinking about breaking up with him 
And she's kind of having a rough time in the real world as opposed to what she is showing her fans. And she loses her passport. She's stuck in Thailand. She meets a couple people and it just goes from there. And I don't want to say anything else. Like, I really would like to, to tell you more about it. But I also don't want to spoil the joys that this thing is like pulling the rug out um, and making things complicated in a lot of different ways. But that's the basic gist of it. And I know you've seen it too, Mary Beth. Yeah, I also was really surprised by it. Like, it's definitely one of those movies that is like great to just go in without knowing anything. I don't think the trailer gives away too much. I think they edited a a good enough trailer that it doesn't betray anything. And I was genuinely surprised. I mean, like you know it's one of those movies that kind of comes in like comes from shutter and you're like oh and it's kind of maybe it'll be great but i was really impressed with how it's written and how it's structured rob grant friend of the pod from harpoon helped edit it actually mm-hmm. cassandra naud who plays a character in this is a fucking star so i'm excited for everyone to see her this is her first feature film and she is like a bad bitch so i'm excited for everyone to see her um performance yeah it's hard to talk about this movie with like out spoiling anything so just go just watch it it's an hour and 30 minutes it'll be on shutter on friday it's it's well worth the watch it's a good it's, it's well a good it. it's a good like sit down movie night movie it's real good and it's a really good influencer movie that doesn't make influencers totally idiots no it looks at influencers from like multi, from a, multi, a multi-dimensional perspective they're not just like i'm in my phone and i'm like all vapid and dumb like we get it. We've seen that a million times. So it takes a little more of a nuanced approach to that. How it is a career, looking at it as a job and, and a career and not just making fun of people, but like showing how it, it is a job and how it can become exhausting like any job. Um, and I think they do a really interesting job with that. It's a definitely a perspective on influencers we don't see, we haven't seen yet. And I'm excited about that because it it's taking them a little bit more seriously and not just mining it for like the usual Jokes, influencer yeah. Yeah. like jokes and influencer stuff we've seen over and over again so yeah check it check, 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 it's check, really check, good. check it out so i highly and recommend we may or may not have something weekend. coming up about it we might so we might who knows i don't know not me never would never know anything about that so that's another reason maybe to watch <laughs> it this weekend when it comes out is that there might be something down the pike but yeah, that's that's all we can really say about it. If you like Spiral, if you like if you like the movies that I think this I I, I don't know if they're a collective or what or like they're just a group of friends. I interviewed him for Dread Central and I was like, like a collective. He's like, yeah, just a group of us who all like making movies together. And he was like, it's like a collective-ish, but they don't have like an official name. They're not like a named thing. They're just like a bunch right. of dudes who like to make indie movies with each other. But I think if you like Spiral and if you liked the movies that that kind of team is putting out, this is really in their wheelhouse. But I will say it is probably the most twisty of theirs that um that I, I've seen. I just yeah really enjoyed it. Surprised the hell out of me. And uh, <laughs> we've arrived. We've arrived now at the final, final, at the moment, destination. What did you think? Well, the ending really saved it for me. I will say. Oh, It's okay. definitely way, it's way better than four. Way better than four. Like, from a lot of perspectives of, like, the characters actually have, like, some kind of, sh- like, some kind of dimension. And, like, there's a storyline there. I, I just, the acting in all of these movies is so bad. And I know that it is not about the acting. But it is distracting sometimes. And I'm like, that, is this how you speak to a loved one? Like, 
your boyfriend? I don't know. So it just always throws me off. And I, I know we are here not for that, but it throws me off. The deaths in this were incredible. Like the mm. gymnastics death and Kate Ice the death. Yeah, that was insane. I was like, I cannot stand this. It needs Can she just die? Like, I, I am so fucking tense. That goddamn fucking screw pointing upwards. One, how did no one see that? Like, I thought, like, weren't there be, like, safety tests, like, every time to, like, make sure it's wiped off and make sure there's nothing on there? Like, that just seems like gross negligence (laughs) to me, but, like, whatever. But it definitely had more, like, personality to it and was, like, getting back to what the Final Destination, like, franchise, like, humor and kind of, like, cheekiness is about. Definitely has some, like, cringy 20, like, early 2010s, like, Language and behavior. I cannot avoid that, unfortunately. But I think it has... The ending is ballsy. Like, both endings. The ending where they're fighting in the kitchen and then the actual ending with the big reveal is just, like, so different. And I love that. I think, like, it follows the pattern but deviates in some important ways that I think really helps it stand out and make it definitely feel way better than the fourth. Like getting back away from the fourth one where you're like, uh, did they watch a Final Destination? Like, they watched a Final Destination movie for they sure. They directed and wrote a Final Destination Yeah, I know. Movie. Like, I don't understand. I know. I, when I was at, when I was editing um, <laughs> last week's, I was dying. I was like, I, how? How does this happen? But, yeah, I, the kills in this one are fucking gnarly. Like, the eye surge, the LASIK scene. The LASIK I don't want, like, scene. I, I'm already terrified of LASIK, and this is not making me even more terrified of LASIK. What the fuck? God damn it. Always a doctor's office. They really goddamn love those electrical wires and, like, the water coolers and stuff splashing on wires, though. They, they sure love do. That. And they love that. They really do. This And they love a good close-up of the water on the outlet and then panning up the wire. And <laughs> oh, and the uh, acupuncture scene. The acupuncture oh. scene. What a dick. What an absolute dick, too. But, like, him falling on the needles, yes, it kills me, too, Tony. Him falling on the needles is, like, oh, you can feel it. And then when he's, like, pulling him out, it's, like, oh, yeah. No, that would, that, not, actor, that would not be fun. That actor always plays douchebags. <laughs> Does he? He looked familiar, but I'm not sure what he's been in. He's, play, he's like, kind of like a character. I don't know his name. He plays a character actor. He's a character actor. He was, I think PJ he's in Byrne. Succession. I think he's in a sick is in succession. Oh, he's like, in the boys. The boys. That's what he's in. He's in the boys. Is like the film director. He's like the Marvel. He like basically is like the stand-in oh, yeah. Marvel guy, who is like making all of those like movies about the scary superheroes. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad they made this and didn't end it on the note of the fourth one. That is my ultimate thought. <laughs> I actually really like this one. Um, okay. I love that the opening is back to big spectacle. Like it is a, it feels yeah. more weighty than a, um, a race car track or like a roller coaster. Yeah. It, this feels like more in line with a big airplane accident or like an accident on the, on, on a highway. Like this, yeah. this opening is epic. It is, has some really creative deaths, I think. I love, I love the, I love that. I love the kills in it. I think the characters are, are fun. Um, I think there's more character in it. I do think yeah. that the one guy, <laughs> the kind of douche guy that ends up like um, going on a, trying to go on a killing spree, uh, Peter, yeah. I think is his name. Um, I love that he looks like 
Dave Franco and uh, Tom Cruise just fucked and produced him, he feels like a clone of them. Yes, he. I'm sure he does do Tom Cruise deep face now because he looks like he fucking looks like Tom Cruise, and he looks like he has the eye the eyebrows of. Um, he does. He has the eyebrows. Yeah, it's wild. I said I love the idea of him being like a serial killer and associated with Final Destination. I want. I didn't go there. But I was really excited that we were about to go there. I was like, that was so cool! Like, a serial killer. Oh, I, that was just yeah. burrito burrito. And it was really cool to have, like, a human stake in the ending. Sort of like, like, there's a yeah. human side of it where he is trying to cheat death by killing them. Like, I think that was a, a fantastic little twist to it. Um, I think I realized why the fourth one also sucks. Because it's the only one of these five movies where Tony Todd is not in it. Oh, that's right. Tony Todd. Bring him back. And it was really kind of fun watching this on a rewatch because like when I first saw this, I did not clock that they were talking a lot of 90s stuff. I thought, I thought, well, that's Neither kind of Neither did dated. I. It's like when they're, when they're talk, comparing someone to Lisa Loeb or they're like, the music that they were listening to was like 90s rock music. They have these really weird ass, like big ass phones from like the late 90s, early 2000s. Totally didn't clock that. I just thought that the references were dated when I first saw that. And now as I'm watching this again, I was like, oh, they were. I mean, they even first they even say he's going to Paris. And I'm like, I should have realized. I know, like, it's, it was incredible. It's that incredible moment where I was like, wait, how did I not put those pieces together? Like, I didn't mm-hmm. clock any of that. And it's inc- it's incredible. Like, they're so sneaky about it. And it's so smart. I love it. We do love a stealth prequel. Yes, we do. Ugh, I love it. And like they just killed our two like our two people immediately. Like in cruel ways too. It's not just like a quick death. It's like, oh my god, wow. I just States. Yeah. And I, I definitely respected the big swing at the end. And like the gymnastic death is so sudden too, because that one is wild. Cause it's just like it's so weird. And like it's like nothing crushes her. It's like she just fl- falls. Off. It's like the way she falls off. It's like it's so different. And yeah, exactly. Like so many options, Kate, and it turns out to be none of them. And she just like fucking folds like a piece of paper. It's like <laughs> it's so sudden. It's I so guess sudden. I grab my face. Like I grab my face. So it's like I can give this movie shit for like acting, but it they know how to get on un- get under your skin and like really give you something that's gonna shock you. Which I suppose is what these movies are. But still, like you know. Plus, it has it has cutie patootie Nicholas de Gosto as the main character, and he is so cute. And he was from Omaha. He was born and raised in Omaha. Aww. And he was cutie. Golden Western boy. I like him. I like that he was a sh- he had a night job as a chef, as if that was like a humanly possible thing to do. I was like the bridge premonition. I was like, I'm, and this is really funny. I'm glad you brought that up, Tony, about the bridge premonition because I talked about Mothman and the Mothman prophecies today in another podcast recording this afternoon. And he pre- and Mothman was the one who brought the omen that the bridge in Point Pleasant was going to collapse, and then it did. So I was like, that's a very weird synchronicity of today. Of yeah, it is. That. So Mothman, Moth. This is the this is a Mothman movie. Actually, um, <laughs> is what I'm going to claim it as. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah. Stealth Mothman movie. Stealth prequel, stealth yeah. Mothman. It's stealth everything. Stealth good. <laughs> so, okay. So we've seen all five of them now. What would you, how would you rank them? I knew you were going to ask me this. So I was like trying to prepare and I think I have my answer. So okay. I think, ah, uh, fucking God damn it. I, I think, all right. I'm just gonna have to, I'm just gonna have to commit to this. All right. I think it's. Stakes are so high. <laughs> I know. I think it's 
two, one, five, three, four. Okay. Yeah, what about you? I have like so much nostalgia for the first one, so it's it's hard for me to not rank it as number one because That's like fair. for for me it's the one that like scarred me right before I was gonna go on a big flight. Yeah. It just it has it like it really terrified me in the movie theater. Like this was one of those movies where I was the perfect age to see it. I was seeing the movie theater. I was in a great audience for it. It's so I have yeah. like so much nostalgia for it. So for me, it's one. And then I am, I can't decide if I like two or five more. I like, I think, I think I like two more because I think it's, it's a dark comedy and it makes me laugh a whole lot. And so I think two is slightly above five. Um, but I think the ending of five is just, stellar so i think yeah. it's one two five three and then we just don't talk about four it's bruno we don't talk about it incredible wow tony's favorite is three okay three two wow final five, destination one wow all right hey i mean like props to them though for making a pretty consistent franchise that like regardless of acting and stuff there's some still some really good kills for the most part you know what i mean like mm-hmm. they nailed the formula and I think what they do really well is they don't necessarily try to, like, make it... They don't try that hard to make, like, more lore. You know what I mean? Like, they don't try to complicate it with, like, how slashers do. I think, like, they tried maybe a bit to do that. And then they're kind of like, eh, fuck that. And then it's just kind of, like, the same thing. And I I kind of respect that, though. You know what I mean? Of just being like, ah, respect. Like, you're just going to kind of follow the formula and not try to add, like death as a monster and think and like make it super weird i i I can respect that all right so so for little cuts for the next like few weeks i don't think we're gonna be watching anything on top of what we normally watch because like i said i'm gonna be covering tribeca and frameline and i just don't know if i'm gonna have enough time to devote to um another movie for us to to talk about but so in the meantime we do want some suggestions from people about what Mary Beth and I can watch together and talk about on Little Cuts. So come up with some suggestions for us and we will we'll try to see Los Spookies. Yes, that might be a good one to, to do. Oh, hey, August Tony, Underground. Fuck you. Absolutely <laughs> no, the fuck not. I'm no. not doing that to myself. I am not watching the August Blech. Underground series. Blech. I'm good. <laughs> Tony, I'm a good person. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I um, guess it's payback because you did read Guts after I talked about it last week. That ain't, that ain't, that is, that, those are not comparable. No. Absolute X, yeah. <laughs> hey, we warned, we warned, or tried to warn about But guts. who are we, okay, so who are we talking to on Monday, Mary Beth? So on Monday, oh, hold on. Excuse me. Um... <laughs> 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 I'm not editing that out. <laughs> um, so on Monday, this is super exciting. We are talking with Matt Angel and Suzanne Coot, the filmmaking duo behind The Wrath of Becky, which is now playing in theaters. And they brought with them a mini discussion of Scream and a full discussion of Rosemary's Baby. And they know so much about Rosemary's Baby. It was they such do. a treat because it was like it's like a really cool discussion and them sharing like about Polanski i'm talking about that don't worry but just like about a lot of things around this movie and it's a really cool conversation i learned so much in watching in in this episode so that'll be and on they're adorable. and wrath of becky 
They're really cute. Wrath of Becky is really fun. So if you liked Becky, you'll like Wrath of Becky. It like Lulu Wilson's a bad bitch with a dog and a bunch of guns. Like it's 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 fun. It's a good time. Sean William Scott plays a Nazi. Yeah. On that note, everybody. Oh hey, when are we getting that? Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Look. I'm tired. Terry's tired. <laughs> I have to, we both have too much it's to do schedule. at all times. It's on the it's schedule. It's on the schedule. I, I forgot it was almost June. My birthday's in a couple of days. I know. I forgot my birthday was here and my birthday's at the end of May. What in the ass? That is still happening. It is still happening. We're I, just... I promise. It's just, it's like this month. I cannot believe next week is the end of the month, which is happening. I know. Sorry. We just ran in and started yelling. It was like, <laughs> So it's happening. We just need to not have everything happening at once all the time forever hi Shmo. but listeners you've heard from us we want to hear from you did you watch something that we watched this week or read something that we read this week and have thoughts do you have suggestions for what our next series should be or what movies we should be talking about um send us an email at scarred for life podcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on twitter um i am at mb mcandrews and i'm mckaylee dreadful and don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. There should be. <laughs> Please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe and help support us through Patreon where you will, I promise, get a Scream 6 uh, bonus episode. And you can be listening to uh, Fresh Wounds. We have um, a new one coming up that we're really excited to to talk about. So yeah, come support us. Uh, thank you to Eric Power for artwork. By Attack of the Demons on Vinegar Syndrome as part of their Black Friday sale since the site is back up. Listen to our commentary track. Uh, thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. <laughs> and until next time. When you pick up some scratches, cause you want a fun break. The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make. You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that. You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cap. You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine. Or use a piece from your chest set. Go ahead, grab the queen. Scratch like a DJ with your record player. A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer. Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways. Thanks to scratchers from the California lottery, a little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. 
Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in the briefing room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.